So welcome to episode four. Just to, to start off this time, just to say I've had some fantastic feedback and it's given me so much encouragement to, to carry on with this as if I needed it because I'm, I'm really enjoying it myself. I'm really finding it uh, valuable as a, it feels like a bit of a journaling experience. I'm not really someone who writes a lot of stuff down. I make a lot of notes. Sometimes I go back and I can't remember what I intended to note. But yeah, I, I do lots of like little scribbles and notes in diverse notebooks and and pads that I have laying around the place. I've always got one somewhere in my bag or next to the bed or whatever. But I don't do any kind of journaling, anything like that. I'm very much more vocal than I am someone who writes stuff. But yeah, I've had some awesome feedback. First of all, from someone who I do very much appreciate. They sent me a text message, a voice message to say how much they could identify with the podcast, how they were in, they felt they were perhaps in a position where I'd been over the last year or so at the same time. And they're also trying to find their their way forward and how interesting they found it and how much they're looking forward to hearing what comes up next. And then I got some feedback again from somebody who's traveling with their girlfriend at the moment and they listened to my podcast together. They got into a situation where it was unclear, are we going to have an argument? And he said, so now I'm going to try what we heard in Sean's podcast and ask the question, this is what I heard, is this what you meant? And yeah, it wasn't necessarily what she meant. It diffused the situation and it saved them an argument. So I'm chuffed to bits about that already. You know, I've saved one one couple, perhaps one hour of arguing. And that's great, isn't it? I mean, that's an achievement at least. And yeah, then I got another call from somebody else who uh, surprised me even more that they had not listened to the podcast. They expected they would listen, but to actually listen to the podcast and then take the same action of taking my hint of, you know, just trying to clear up, first of all, if we're going to have an argument or not. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the previous episode where I talked about non-violent communication, or just look up what non-violent communication is. But yeah, I am thrilled to bits that there's just at least a couple of people out there that, yeah, have taken action as a result of listening to my words, you know, and it just feels good, just feels nice. So here I am again, sitting back in the chair in the studio, hoping that this podcast might just have the same effect on somebody. So today's episode is titled, You Can't Blame It All On Your Childhood, Just Grow Up. So yeah, where should we start with picking that apart? I was in a conversation with somebody yesterday who said that they thought like blaming it all on your childhood was just the easy way out. Now, I don't see it like that because the point is not to blame it on your childhood, but to be aware of what happened in your childhood, which is what I'd like to try and dive into a little bit more. And it's uh, it's just as easy for people to say, yeah, you can't blame it all on your childhood. It's take your own responsibility 
at the same time someone who's looked at their childhood can possibly just say oh well it's all the fault of my childhood so yeah I think it all depends where you're coming from it depends on what sort of childhood you've had I think uh, that makes a huge difference but yeah basically I was very much of the opinion that I had a great childhood and I had nothing to complain about and so whatever I was going to say whatever defects, whatever problems I had in relating to other people, whatever um, situations there were where somebody confronted me with, you know, the, the fact that perhaps I was acting like a child or letting my inner child react or something like that. I was very defensive, very, very defensive to my parents. If you've listened to any of the episodes up until now, you'll know how much I fucking love my mum and dad, how great I thought they were, what a great job I thought they did. That made life difficult because it felt like a betrayal. If I was ever to say, you know, I am like this because this and this happened in my childhood, I didn't even want to look at it. I didn't even want to go there because it felt like just making excuses and putting the blame at my parents' door where I thought they were blameless. What was really interesting for me was picking up on this, and I think a lot of that was triggered with Gabor Mate, but picking up on the fact that it's not about putting blame anywhere. It's just about becoming aware. And um, I've talked about this in my anger podcast, that um, there again, it's when I get angry, it's not who's made me angry, it's why am I getting angry. It's about the situation, it's about containment of that feeling. And I think that's also very similar in you know the aspect of how much blame you put on your parents. So listening to Gabor Mate gave me the freedom, I guess, and Alain de Baton, to a certain degree, gave me the freedom to look at my childhood, look at the situations that occurred in my childhood, and to look at them in a critical way without placing blame, I guess. I think maybe I've used this example before, but the example of as when I was a child, you know, I think I was a, a very sensitive child. I remember crying a lot as a child. I remember being very emotional as a child. And I think that wasn't something that was very easy for my dad to deal with. I've said before, he was such a loving guy. He had such a big heart. But at the same time, he wasn't somebody you could say, I love you very easily. He wasn't someone who would express his emotions in words very easily. But again, I was never in any doubt that I was loved just because he didn't say it. But I know there were times as a child where I maybe cried, got upset about something, got frustrated by something, and dad would react with humour and wouldn't be able to give that small child <laughs> that what might have been better for that small child at that moment, which may have been to just give them a hug and say, you know, it's all okay. I love you, your mum loves you, and it's all okay. Uh, obviously, now I can reflect and see all of that um, without placing blame. You know, Dad did his best. He worked really hard for us. My parents always put us at the focal point of everything, my sister and I, without 
the ridiculously helicoptering of children that goes on nowadays. You know, I was very free as a kid. I spent so much time out with friends, out discovering the world on my own from quite a young age. You know, there was never a problem with that. And I think that did me a lot of good as well. So another situation that I can remember from my childhood was coming home for lunchtime from school. We lived practically opposite the school. It was like a hundred yards that I had to walk. Getting back home and nobody being there, the house being locked, nobody being there, and just getting into a complete panic immediately with like this, what the hell, where is everybody? I'm alone, I'm always gonna be alone. I don't know what was going on. I just know I can remember very clearly sitting on the doorstep and feeling lost and feeling alone. My mum got back, the bus was late, that's all it was. My mum got back like 10 minutes later. It felt like a lifetime sitting there waiting, but it was like 10 minutes, something like that, that the bus was late. And my mum, bless her heart, you know, she'd rushed to get home and she would never willingly have left me sitting on the doorstep. But the way I remember it was, it was like, oh, well, come on, don't be silly, come in. You know, dinner's going to be ready in a minute have your sandwich, go back to school and all that. It sounds so ridiculous to say, but that was like a traumatic experience for that small child, you know? And I have to say, added to that, and we'll get into this in a, a, a completely different episode, but there's one of the effects of ADHD, which I think I have, and like I say, we'll talk about this at another time. One of the effects is this rejection dysphoria. So I think maybe at that age, I was already as a sensitive child and maybe as a child that had ADA, I was very aware of rejection. I was needy, I guess you could say, you know? And that neediness and that fear of rejection, that's moved on into my adult life. It's not easy to admit to that I know that I can sometimes I know that I have in the past been perhaps overly clingy, that I've uh, been quite demanding, but always willing to give the same level of attention back to my partner. Um, And never really being confronted with that being a problem at that time until I got together with my latest partner, She is somebody who is, from her character, more avoidant in a relationship. I'm someone who is perhaps more secure, and that's another theme altogether again. So there were definitely situations, I think, when I was a child, that I was sensitive, that I was perhaps clingier than maybe other children were, I don't know. I mean, I grew up to be independent, that's not the thing, you know. But I think during my childhood, I needed lots of reassurance. And I think my parents really tried their absolute best to give me that security and to give me that reassurance. But as I've said before, it also was a very fiery household. And I can remember very clearly sitting upstairs in my bedroom and hearing my parents arguing. I don't remember having the fear that they were going to separate 
I don't remember having any kind of thoughts of, oh, it's my fault or anything like that. But it's still not nice, is it, to hear your parents screaming and shouting and arguing with each other. Later, it was much easier because you know I took part sometimes, and that, that, like I've said in another episode, there was so much love there that there was no time to brood on those things afterwards. You know, situations would occur, there would be arguments, there would be bad moods, there would be tempers, but they would never last for long, and so there was never an opportunity for that to become like a, a festering wound or anything like that. But still, they were traumatic experiences. And that's, again, something. It's a very difficult word, trauma. You know, the feeling you're walking down the stairs and you miss a step a little bit and you jolt? That's already a trauma for your nervous system, you know? Um, That goes, obviously, to the other end of the scale, how traumatic it is to be beaten, neglected, and abused, and all those other fucking terrible things that that happened to children but it is still trauma you know this is just a word that's the thing so don't for one moment think that I am trying to compare what happened to me to what happened to other people that's really not important it's you know it's just about this fact that traumatic experiences have an effect on your nervous system and when they happen to you as a child especially they can have an effect on how you behave as an adult, quite simply. So yeah, getting back <laughs> getting back really to the title of the podcast, you can't blame everything on your childhood, just grow up. So no, you can't blame everything on your childhood, but there is a value in looking at your childhood. There is a value in trying to find out where the things that trigger you in your adult life may have had a root in some way in your childhood I've talked about inner child before the value of not only seeing your own inner child but also recognizing that I think all of us have got one you know that takes the upper hand and controls the reactions so yeah you can't blame it all on your childhood but maybe you can Recognise that some of the things that are triggering you nowadays do actually come from childhood experiences. And I think, for me, I think it's valuable to go back and take a look at them. But when it comes down to apportioning blame, we can then come to a very interesting view of, you know, who's making these decisions? Who is reacting in these situations, you know? There are so many influences from the day that we're born that have an effect on who we become as adults. There's obviously, I mean, even before we're born, there is the prenatal stress. So you are a being at some time. I'm not even going to get into that when you become a being, but you're a being inside your mother's womb that experiences her hormonal changes, that experiences her tension, the experiences also with her whatever trauma she goes through so you're already being programmed at that stage you know before you're even born and from the moment you're born obviously you're totally susceptible I've spoken about my theory that you arrive here in this life in this existence as a, a pure being as it were and that 
pure being gets shaped and molded along the way obviously then if you have a difficult childhood the the things that happen in your childhood are going to have an influence the great thing is it's again if you've recognized those things you can actually then try and make a change some people make the change without having to investigate you know it's not every child that was beaten that goes on to beat their child it's not every child that was abused that goes on in some way to abuse their children people do manage to just consciously make that decision i guess you know be aware and make that decision i think it's really valuable just to look back though and to try and try and see and I've done a lot of work on that basis. Once I realised that I could look critically at my childhood without apportioning blame to my parents, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, investigate a little bit more and gather my crew, which is going to be an episode about, you know, not just the inner children, but all the voices that I have, all the different characters that we we have. Some of them developed also obviously then in adulthood you know and it can also be a product of trauma in adulthood an aspect that doesn't get talked about quite as much and an aspect that is still being researched but there's more and more research that confirms that it's actually a fact is epigenetic trauma so a trauma that has been passed on through the generations that um, is now affecting you in some way there's also then like the collective trauma, you know, the trauma of the society and how that shapes you and how that shapes your parents. And, you know, if you've been so unlucky that you've grown up in a war zone or something like that, you know, if you've grown up somewhere where the availability of food wasn't that great or whatever. But so I think there are several levels of trauma, epigenetic, collective, prenatal childhood trauma and adult trauma some of those the effects of them are very difficult to discern i think you know somebody who does a lot of work with trauma especially epigenetic trauma and inherited trauma and stuff is a guy called peter levine and i absolutely know nothing about this but it is something that i'm very interested in and do intend to spend more time looking into it's about the bodily effects of the epigenetic trauma that you may have brought along with you there's a guy called robert sapolsky he's a professor i think at mit i'm not sure but that's not really important i will put a link in as always he goes so far as to say that we have no free will that all of our decisions that everything we do is so influenced through all of these different aspects of your genetic makeup, where you were born, what your childhood experience was, what your prenatal experience was, what the collective experience was, whether you've had a couple of positive days where you've been feeling up and happy, whether you've had a just had an argument, whether you're feeling sad, if you've just watched a sad film, if you've just listened to a a happy piece of music or a sad piece of music all of these factors influence us um, and very many of them without the fact that we're even conscious that they're there and so his 
thought is, regardless of how much we stop and think, how much we reflect, there is absolutely no way of knowing that the final decision that you make is your decision. What does that even mean, that it's your decision? Um, I mean, it's not a view that's, that's shared by everyone, and it's actually not a view that I can wholeheartedly share. But I think it's very interesting. And as I say, I'll put a link to one of his videos about free will into the podcast notes. There's also a great interview with Robert Sapolsky and Andrew Huberman about the effects of stress and um, also you know, the basis of free will and what that really means. They also talk about neuroplasticity, which is then for me, it's a bit of a contradiction to say that we can't change anything and we don't have free will, but there is neuroplasticity and we can change our brains, which is what Sapolsky says. I don't understand completely his theories on free will, but it does highlight this point of, you know, who's deciding and where is that decision coming from? Where is that reaction coming from? Especially, yeah, it's a difficult thing to say, but especially if you're not aware, if you haven't gone down that path of becoming aware and really taking a closer look at some situations. It's really difficult to establish where is this decision based? What are the influences on this decision? A lot of the the shows that Darren Brown's done have been very much based on the fact that he subliminally influences people. So puts up posters and stuff like that on their way to work that reference certain things that he wants them to react to later on in his show and stuff like that so yeah it's again it's the same theory isn't it it's the same theory we are being driven from the outside and that's why i think it's important to you know to try and get to that place where at least you're looking at the decisions you know you're not just acting from a gut feeling intuition's a great thing and it's something that we don't really understand fully but i don't think you should ignore your intuition but again, you have to have the awareness. Is, is this my intuition? Is that that gut feeling that we talk about? Is that gut feeling pure, I guess, at that moment? Or is it influenced by the fact that I'm hungry? Is it influenced by, a, you know, I haven't had sex for a week? Or <laughs> whatever, you know. I've got a headache. Am I feeling under the weather? They're all going to be influences. And that's for me the... The essential thing you know uh, so getting back again to really the the middle point of this podcast of you can't blame your childhood now you can't blame your childhood but you also can't blame being hungry and you also can't blame being tired and you also can't blame a thousand other influences that have been made on you but only then when you are making aware decisions one of the things that i'm finding genuinely difficult with doing these podcasts is i had this in i had imagination that i was going to be doing the, the 23 episodes 23 minutes long about 23 different subjects it's so difficult because that it all runs into one another you know it's like the the whole thing of awareness which comes from meditation which 
gives you maybe the opportunity along with nonviolent communication to be more reflective about your reactions and all that sort of thing so yeah it's difficult sometimes to to stick on a path with one thing and I've had some feedback from people saying yeah I wish you'd gone into that in more detail I would have liked more information all I can say is just stick along for the ride you know <laughs> try and try and hang out for the 23 episodes and hopefully I will get a little bit more in depth on some of the things that I just tend to skip over because I don't think it's important for that particular podcast so uh, and again there uh, the value of the feedback that I get is not only just because I want my ego polished and my belly rubbed uh, it's also because I want to know if I'm doing a, a good job of what I'm trying to do um, and it's about you know I am open to hear what people think so I feel like really I've, I feel like I've gone around in circles a little bit on this one the point that I wanted to make being yeah it's very easy to say don't blame it on your childhood but your childhood has had an influence just grow up yeah it's not that easy to just grow up if you don't know who that inner child is that needs to grow up inside you I think it's much easier if you take the time to actually look at your childhood so yeah, again I guess at this point if you do feel like you have any input any criticisms any feedback anything you want to share then please do get in touch as always sean s-h-a-u-n at l-o-m-g dot earth that's league of mindful gentlemen let me know let me know what you think and let me know if there's something if there's a question if there's something more you want to know whatever just let me know in the meantime until the next one <laughs> be kind and take care